0: Hebrews 13, and we're going to pick up a couple of verses here, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a couple of verses which I believe is a brilliant summary of God's salvation. We are told here that salvation came by a sacrifice, the sacrifice and also the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It was uh, God's everlasting covenant, we're told in these verses, uh, to reconcile a people to him. So it is very much the essence of salvation. His great work in us as is described in verse 21, you know, to be fruitful in every good work, to be complete or perfect, that's what it means, to be whole, our life to be completely uh, fulfilled and satisfied and blessed by the Lord um, in every way. For our life to be pleasing to Him, a bit like Enoch, who walked by faith, and He pleased God, and God took Him. He did not see death, and that's really our destiny as well, that we will overcome the grave because of our life being one of faith that believes God and puts His work, His Word into work in our life. We live a life which is a a testimony to him. We heard a little snippet of testimonies even just uh, today and that's why we always feature our testimonies in meetings such as this because this is lives which are pleasing to the Lord, which glorify and magnify the Lord. So that's all there in verse 21. To him be glory for ever and ever, an everlasting life, a life that will never die, praise the Lord. So um it uh, we've seen there in mid, in the middle of verse 20 which is really the theme of the talk here today that all of this the work in us the work of the holy spirit in us the everlasting covenant the sacrifice of jesus christ uh, the resurrection and establishing the church in him which has an eternal destiny the everlasting covenant in his blood but we see there that the Lord Jesus referred to the great shepherd of the sheep. That's really what I want to focus on, this relationship of the great shepherd and his sheep, because it's obviously right in the heart of these two verses that we read and is vital for this relationship to be right. It's right at the heart of our salvation. It's right at the heart of our walk with the Lord. It's right at the heart of getting us to the glory that goes on forever and ever, praise the Lord. So it's an important relationship and it's a relationship that the Lord has set up. It's a relationship that he wants to have. In fact, in John 10, and we will go to John 10 in a moment, but there's a lot of references in John 10 in particular about the shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We refer to people in charge of a church as pastors, which means that, a shepherd of a flock of sheep. God's people shepherded and looked after and cared for and fed and protected by these people known as shepherds. But we're talking here about the great shepherd being Jesus Christ, the good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. So that's what Jesus said of himself right there in John 10. I am the good shepherd and I give my life for my sheep. That's how important his sheep are to him. He gives everything for his people, for his sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. That's the relationship, to know the Lord intimately as the good shepherd and uh, to know him in that way and relate to him in that way. It's a very clear Strong relationship that the Bible gives to us. The great shepherd giving his life for the sheep to be known of them and that they may know him intimately and respond to him and rely upon him. Also in John 10 it says my sheep hear my voice. So it's a a matter of listening. We were talking a little bit about uh, last night in Ballarat about one of the great desires that make us up Each and every one of us Is is the need to be heard The need to be taken seriously And uh, well uh, Not a lot of good hearing Goes on in this world Especially when it comes to the things Of the Lord A lot of people find cop outs And reasons to reject hearing The Lord But we are to be a people that have ears to hear We're tuned in We come to a meeting prayed up Ready to hear the word of God and wanted to penetrate right to our heart to know that these are the words of our shepherd, the great shepherd, the shepherd whose life is given for his sheep that we may have an everlasting covenant, a life that goes on from glory to glory, goes on forever and ever as we just read. Praise the Lord. So we need to hear the voice of the shepherd and I know them and they will follow me. He leads, we follow. I remember a story that Basil used to tell me about his grandfather. His grandfather was a shepherd and he used to, you know, back in the days when uh, it was the shepherd and the sheep and the sheep fold and and so on, not so much today. We have, especially in Australia, great big sheep farms or uh, you know, and, uh, we round them up with, uh, tractors, uh, with, um, motorbikes or helicopters even. But, um, this, uh, was a man who's dedicated to the care of his sheep. And Basil used to tell me the story who, uh, uh, where a sheep got caught on a railway track. And there was no way that this shepherd was going to let that sheep be run over by the train. He fought right to the last moment to free his sheep. And he did, but he was killed in the process because the train got him. And Basil used to tell me that story, but it just typifies the love that a shepherd has to do everything to save his sheep. And uh, so it's the love which, uh, you know, that's who he cares for. Let's go to John 10 now anyway and um pick it up here in the beginning of John 10. And we start to see some of these remarkable qualities that the shepherd has for his sheep and the expectation there is for the sheep to respond to that care. Verily, verily, verse 1, I say unto you he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold but climbs in by some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So we're starting to see the Lord speaking here about this remarkable relationship and how it works you know, there's the safety and protection that the, the shepherd brings the sheep into the sheepfold, like a, a, a fence arrangement with only one entry point known as the door or the gate into the sheepfold. And the, once the shepherd gathers all his sheep there and he knows that they're safe and secure, he lies across that gate and he's prepared to give his life for the sheep to guard it that his sheep may be kept safe from any predator, from any wolf, from anyone who would want to rob or harm his sheep. It's an enclosure, as I said, with one entry, one door. So here is a shepherd leading the sheep, which talks about leadership, a personal relationship where they will follow the leader, the shepherd. It's critical to hear, as I said before, it's critical to follow the leading of the shepherd. In verse 9 we pick it up a bit further I am the door By me if any man enter in He shall be saved And shall go in and out And find pasture (coughs) The thief comes not But for to steal and to kill And to destroy I am come that they might have life And they might have it more abundantly I am the good shepherd There it is again the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaving the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep. So his sheep mean everything, and we appreciate here that the sheep are very, very vulnerable. They're totally dependent on the care of the shepherd. You know, and that shepherd is totally committed, not a hireling, but someone who puts his sheep first and foremost. Now there is a book around the place um, by a man called Philip Keller. He is a shepherd of uh, quite a lot of years of experience of being a shepherd, this sort of shepherd, shepherding. And he took a good look at Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and so on it goes the psalm, and he wrote a book about it. Um, and uh, I just wanted to uh, read to you uh, just a little extract out of the book about sheep and how vulnerable they are. And this is what this particular experienced shepherd writes about it. Now, obviously, he believes the Bible is the word of God and he was trying to amplify uh, Psalm 23 uh, combined with his vast experience as a, as a good shepherd. Uh, Sheep do not just take care of themselves. As some might suppose, they require more than any other class of livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. It is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. (coughs) The behaviour of sheep (coughs) and human beings is similar in many ways. Our mass mind or mob instincts Our fears and timidity, our stubbornness and stupidity, our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance. We parallel sheep and the Lord calls us sheep. Yet despite these adverse characteristics, Christ chooses us. He buys us by his sacrifice, of course, calls us by name, makes us his own, and he delights in caring for us, which is true. And that's very much what you get out of uh, John 10, just the love the Lord has to give his life for the sheep and to care for his sheep and bring them safely through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet I will fear no ill because the good shepherd is taking me through. You know So the love of God is very much expressed, as we read in these verses, in this remarkable relationship between the shepherd and his sheep, the good shepherd Jesus Christ willingly giving himself totally to us. You know, the commandment of God, we read back there in Hebrews, the everlasting covenant and how it would all work and how it would all be fulfilled is dependent upon this relationship. You know, um, it pleased the Lord. In fact, we read it here in verse 17. Therefore... Does my father love me, says the Lord, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. So there's that love established because he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep and be resurrected again to establish this everlasting covenant. Verse 18, No man takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power uh, to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. So the love of God is very much expressed in this relationship. Now we know that um, uh, when Samuel was sent to the household of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel and the seven sons of Jesse went before the prophet, none of them were fit to be anointed to be the next king because God looked not on the outward appearance but he looked upon the heart. And so Samuel had to wait till they went and found the eighth brother who was out minding the sheep. And in came David, and uh he had a good countenance and so on, as we read there in the scriptures, and he was the one that would be anointed. He was anointed when he was yet a shepherd boy uh, to become the future king of Israel. We know that he had a heart after God's own heart, you know, and we know uh his exploits as it were in caring for the sheep it's uh, you know it's quite remarkable really that he would be chosen to be anointed as a king over god's people but he was a shepherd who slew a bear and a lion and took a lamb out of the jaws of the, of the lion you know in, in in protecting his sheep he would stop at nothing to uh, to guard his sheep with everything he had. And so, uh, again, the key elements of caring for sheep come through in that story. You know, uh, in Psalm 23, which we've mentioned, all remarkable aspects of shepherding and sheep and sheep responding and, and being cared for so they have no fear that they're fed and looked after and protected are all there. The leading by the still waters... Absolutely essential, obviously, that sheep are fed and watered. The lying in the green pasture, and we'll refer a bit to these things as we go through. The caring and the restoring of the soul, the constant caring, looking after, making sure my soul is restored, as uh, we read there in Psalm 23. Getting our life right with the Lord. All essential in this relationship, you know, He leads me in the paths which are right. Again, last night in Ballarat, we were talking about how we have this great desire to have things in our life to fill our lives up because of the hole that's in there that only God can fill. And one of the great things that we have need of is to get our life right with the Lord. You know, paths of righteousness, and the shepherd knows that need in his sheep, and he makes sure. He teaches us how to get it right. He teaches how to live a life which is pleasing to the Lord. You know, no fear because God is with us, because the shepherd is with us, the great shepherd, so we can walk through the shadow of the valley of death, and we do. You know, we're subject to death, of course, totally, and there are many, many fears and and. Uh, dangers and snares uh, that we we have to deal with in life yet we don't fear because the good shepherd and that's one of the great and most important things that the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep that the sheep have no fear though there be dangers all around them you know despite opposition we are always provided for my cup runneth over we read in in uh, psalm 23 Life more abundantly, Jesus says He, I came to as a good shepherd to lay down my life for you, to care for you, to bring you into my sheepfold, to lay at the very door, to make sure nothing gets at you and to make sure you have life and that more abundantly. That's in Psalm 23. The constant presence of the shepherd and his voice and his presence and his protection and his leadership and his guiding... And, and, and uh, you know, is absolutely essential. You know, he leads me by still waters. He keeps me from all fear. That's all vital for sheep. And when you read that little book by Philip Keller, you really appreciate just how much work goes into all of that. Sheep are very timid. They will not lie down unless they are totally free of every, any friction amongst themselves. You know we are to be bound together in the bond of peace, in the bond of the Holy Ghost, in the bond of the love that God has given us to have one for the other. And sheep are like that. And we are like that. We need that, uh, uh, that essence of being free from any friction or anxiety one towards the other, but we're all wanting to edify, we're all wanting to be united in the same mind. The same judgments, the same principles, and that's what we encourage one another to do, and sheep need that, we need that, of course, they won't lie down um, if uh, there's friction between them, they won't lie down if there are pests which annoy them like flies or other things that torment them and uh, you know and and that really annoys them and gets to them, and they won't settle, they won't rest in the green pasture. They have to be totally free of hunger and free of fear. And the good shepherd, uh, again, uh, I read a little bit in this book where the really, really good shepherds do what Psalm 23 says, he anoints my head. And they do, they they take care of the sheep's head because that's where the flies and other parasites can get at them and where they can get the scab and other things on them. And they mix a special ointment a special oil and other things that they put together to keep these pests away and he'll care for the sheep by rubbing all this stuff into the head of the sheep to make sure that there's no flies no scab no, none of these things so that his sheep can be at peace that's the care that the shepherd gives to the sheep let's go to Acts chapter 20 as we started off by saying it's a vital relationship your salvation Depends upon this relationship, the shepherd and the sheep. In Acts 20, the Apostle Paul, who is a great shepherd of the church himself, of course, um, and uh, he was also responsible for setting up shepherds which would care for the flock of the Lord. And in this case, he's actually um, about to go back to Jerusalem and he calls to him some elders, some people that had been appointed as people to take care of the church. They may have been pastors and or uh, have other authority or responsibility but the principle is there. They had to care for the church of the Lord, the sheep of the Lord. The sheep of the Lord had laid down his life for. And in verse 17 of Acts 20 <coughs> we pick up And from Miletus Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And we'll go down, he reminds them about his testimony and his example and the many things that he had suffered, but he never ever lost sight of his responsibility to the church. And then in verse 28 he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. That's a very powerful testimony and really lays out some crucial responsibility to shepherds, to these people who the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. In other words, the Holy Ghost has given you the capacity, the ability, the experience, the authority to be in this position of responsibility to care for the church of the Lord, which he has purchased with his own blood. Nothing more precious than people that have been redeemed by the blood of the great shepherd. Uh, He goes on here in verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves Shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day. So there's a great warning here about the dangers that can come against the sheep, against the flock, against this most precious of people purchased by the blood of Christ. And the dangers are big because salvation is at stake. And he tells them to be very aware of it and to be very vigilant. Shepherds which are really up to it, you know, this is a great responsibility. And uh, he charges them with this this responsibility and he makes them realise how vital and important the sheep is and how vital their responsibility is over the sheep. So it's a big charge it's a big responsibility to the oversight that the holy ghost raises up now i believe this is the holy ghost has uh, made you overseers it's just the holy ghost has given you that capacity and that ability to do it now what he's saying is you do it well you take your responsibility to heart you make sure you realize what's at stake here and you be diligent and very vigilant let's go to 1st Timothy in chapter 3 I was trying to witness to someone during the week I didn't get very far but nevertheless I I managed to um, to say that I was a pastor in the church and so the guy actually said oh yeah did you become a pastor and so that that gave me a little bit of an in there uh, uh, because once I started, he said, oh, you don't have to tell me. And he just asked me, to, you know, but then I started to say how I'd become a pastor. And he said, oh, you don't have to tell me. I said, no, no, I'm happy to tell you. You know, how do we learn anything unless we talk? <laughs> and so he had to politely listen to me. That was fine. I didn't mind telling him. Um, yeah, where was I? First Timothy. It was somewhere in my Bible. I'll just keep looking till we find it and have a chat amongst yourselves if you, if you like. Uh, yes, 1st Timothy 3. So here it is, some, uh, I guess, qualities, experience, ability that is sought after in getting a shepherd that would look after the sheep of the Lord. After all, we saw back there in Acts 20, the responsibility is great. Uh, you know, the care of the sheep is very, very precious to God. And so it must be done. And we know it's a a very important relationship that we need to have. In verse one it says, this know also, oops, second Timothy, keep going rolling. You might get there, you might get there before the talk time's over. Okay. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop or a shepherd or a Oversight, he desires a good work. A shepherd or a bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, there we go, sober, of good behaviour, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule over his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a a novice, at least being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. In other words, he needs to have some proven experience. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So there's quite a list there. We won't spend time going through it all, but we can appreciate that the Lord sets up a pattern whereby uh, we can find men who have a good desire and the Lord is able to uh, put them in an area of responsibility of caring for his flock, his sheep, his people. And... Uh, you know, we've got to believe that. We believe that this is the pattern we're trying to follow. We've got to believe it's a, a proven pattern. It's a Bible pattern. It's God's way of setting up this relationship. We've got to have confidence in that. Otherwise the relationship ain't going to work. The credentials and the abilities are listed here. The attitude and the desire to serve is very much at the forefront. And, uh, you know, again, um I was talking to another guy I was trying to witness to this week and and uh, we're talking about I don't know for some reason talking about wanting to be at the top of the heap or something. And so I did I got a bit of paper and I drew the usual triangle with the boss at the top and all the workers down the bottom and I said that's not the way Jesus Christ works. And I just turned the uh, the, the pyramid round the other way. Jesus Christ said it is true. I am your lord and master. It is not robbery for me to be equal with God. However, here I am, humble, down here, as your servant for all. And so I said, that's what the Lord said, and that's how he is. And he said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you learn to become the servant of all. You know, And the apostles needed to heed that lesson when James and John were vying for position, and Peter was there, and he would have heard that lesson about... uh, making sure you learn how to become the servant of all. And that's uh, very much an attitude that is needed here. In fact, this guy said, oh, I really like that. I said, well, that's how it works. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God knows how it's meant to work and he needs that attitude very much in his oversight. You know, a desire to to care for the church of God, a desire to serve. Praise the Lord. Um. You know, the ability to teach, is mentioned here, an ability to teach people from the Word of God, to be able to hear their need and to show them how that need can be satisfied and fulfilled by the Word of God, by the using of the Holy Spirit, by the encouragement, by the correction if necessary. You know, he needs to have a good report. Credibility is vital for any pastor. You know, he has to have a good report and a credible relationship with his people. You need to have, you you know, and it behoves both the sheep and the shepherd to work on that, to make sure the communication between us is excellent, it's vital. Without excellent communication, you know, I don't need to know all the minute details, the bits and pieces, but the essential things that impact on you in your walk in the Lord, I need to know and I need to know how to help you, how to lead you, how to direct you, how to encourage you, how to redirect you if necessary. You know, it's vital. So credibility is right at the heart of the relationship. A pastor cannot work unless the communication is excellent between his shepherd and the sheep and, of course, the credibility is there that there is confidence to know that nothing will be done with partiality, as Paul writes in another place to Timothy. You make sure you do nothing by partiality, that people know things are being dealt with scripturally and fairly and properly to the best of our ability. We don't always know every little bit, every little fact that maybe we need to know, but to the best of our ability that we do. De- we need to deal equitably with folk. So, the the flock, the people in the church, must be confident in the pastor and the oversight is really committed to feeding them, to directing them, to teaching them, and to protect them. Uh, you know, in Ephesians and Paul, you know, got the elders from Ephesus together there in Acts twenty. We just read it, but in the book of Ephesians, in chapter four, it says that the oversight. Is actually a gift from God. There you go. How about that? Pumping up my own fires now. (laughs) You know, a gift given to the church to edify, to bring together in unity. Remember that peace that needs to be amongst the sheep, that bond of peace so they're not agitated in any way. You know, so that's part of his responsibility to bring them to the unity of the faith. To grow into the fullness of the Lord, a testimony that's well pleasing, very fruitful in the Lord, you know, and also that the sheep are not tossed around by different teachings, by deceit, by cunning, and by craftiness. And there's an abundance of that around. We know about the world of Pentecost. There's plenty of compromise. There's plenty of cunning. There's plenty of undermining. You know, I love that statement in John 3, in Matthew 3 where John the Baptist said, He, Jesus Christ, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, he's come to baptise you with the Holy Ghost and fire, and all the people said. And that's what he will do, and that's salvation, and that is what your Saviour paid the price of Cal- on Calvary for, that you may be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Anything less than that or anything that waters that down in any way is doing despite to the sacrifice of the Lord. And we know it abounds and we will not allow it to be compromised. We need to appreciate that, we need to understand that. That's why we stay separate from any other teaching whatsoever. Yes, we do put fence a fence around this fellowship and rightly so. It is a big part of the ministry to keep the sheepfold protected from wolves, from craftiness, from compromise, from cunning. We don't want people wandering around, you know. know, People surf on websites these days and it's happened, you know, and they get all sorts of ideas into their thinking and they start to make comparisons and judgments which quite often they're not expert enough in the word of God to be able to clearly discern. And they lose that credibility in coming to their oversight because they think, oh, well, everything's everything's honky-dory out there, you know, I can take a bit of this and a bit of that. That's the last thing a shepherd needs his sheep to do, to wander around in other paddocks and take food from other pastures which he knows are not credible. You know, that's, uh, so all of that is protecting from wolves, protecting your salvation. It's a big charge and responsibility to the oversight. And the apostle Peter said, you make sure if you take on this role, then you, you ha- do it with a willing and a ready mind, a real willingness to take on the charge and the responsibility and be prepared to be up for it. You know, feed the flock of God, Peter said. You don't you're not lords over God's heritage, you're not there to boss them around, you're there to feed them. And he said, You want to learn uh you know you, you want to be chief? Well you learn to be servant of all, as I said before. That's really the in I'm not going to go to the scripture now, but it's in first Peter five if you want to read it. Peter knew all about the Lord's teaching. He was a shepherd himself of the church. And Jesus told him three times in the, in the Gospel of John, do you love me, Peter? And every time the answer, you feed my sheep, you feed my lambs. You know, that is a responsibility that is essential. We must be totally committed to that end. You know, Peter says to the oversight, you make sure you submit yourself in this service to the people that God has made you responsible for. You feed them, you care for them, you protect them. But he says to the sheep also, recognize the authority and submit to it. Appreciate what God is doing. Appreciate, you know, the lengths that God has gone to to raise up people who would care for you. Yes, he's the great shepherd, but he appoints shepherds within his church to take care of it and to follow his example appreciate us value the relationship it's essential for your salvation you know knows know those we read in the scriptures who labor over you and care for uh, and are over you and admonish you and caution you and reprove you gently sometimes maybe more more strongly other times but you know know them that's what they're there for. And, uh, you know, that they are apt to teach you, they're there for your care, for your walk in the Lord. And esteem them highly in love for the work's sake. You know, so don't put them down. They cop enough criticism all over the shop uh, from all sorts of other sources. But, you know, you esteem them highly in love for the work's sake. And it says, and if you are subject, if the shepherd is subject to that service and that commitment, and the sheep recognize that commitment and willingly submit themselves to it and esteem it highly and appreciate it and love it and thank the Lord for this, his care over them, you've got a great relationship. And that relationship will be clothed with humility. That's what the Bible says. And by humility, is the grace of God upon his people. It won't come any other way. In fact, Peter goes on to write that. You'll be clothed with humility if you're subject one to the other in this remarkable relationship, and the grace of the Lord will abound in your life. And all the people said, Who wants the grace of God to abound in their life? Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. And so we should. And when the chief shepherd appears, he wrote, guess what? a crown of glory that will never fade away, that will last forever and ever. Praise the Lord. So let's keep all this at the forefront of our mind and our prayers. It's a vital relationship. And we've got to make it work the way the Lord obviously intended it to work. Hebrews 13. Hello, I've run out of time, have I? Goodness me, I've got heaps to go. Hebrews 13. I've got to get this one in. It wouldn't be a good talk about the oversight if I don't get this in. I'm sure you will all agree. <laughs> all right, here it comes. If it's working the way God intended it, we'll have no problem with this. This will work. Verse um, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you submit, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls that they may give ac- that they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you there you go obey them obey and submit is the direction given here verse 18 pray for us for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willingly to live honestly yes pray for us if things are not going good if you're not not happy with the job we're doing well it's your fault You're not praying hard enough for us. So up the prayer so that we can get it right. But praise the Lord, we believe we are wanting the relationship to work and uh, if we're all doing our part and fulfilling our responsibility and rising to the occasion that God has called us to, this will work. Obeying and submitting is all part of it. Allow yourself to be persuaded is what it means. In fact, In the amplified verse seventeen, obey your spiritual leaders, submit to them, continually recognising their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch for your souls and guarding over your spiritual welfare. As I said, the servant You know is is in the position of authority, but he's the servant of all. You know, the Bible says, For what is our hope or our crown of rejoicing? What what, what, you know, what is the, the pinnacle of all this, of this great relationship? And it goes on to say, are not even you in the presence of our Lord at his coming, for you are our glory and you are our joy. It's all about meeting the Lord at his coming. That's what the relationship is there for. To know and understand this, to appreciate it, to pray that we get it right, is all vital to make it work. We'll finish over here in Philippians 2. You know, the Bible talks about not muzzling the ox. The labour is worthy of his hire. So there needs to be made, a provision needs to be made in prayer, in support, in tithes, in offering and, and, and so on for the people who have got that responsibility to do that job. The Bible talks about don't receive accusations against your oversight unless all the facts can be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And don't go and hearsay and make your own judgments and so on. It's not on. And and the Bible warns strongly against that. I mentioned about partiality, you know, that we want to not favour one over another in any way. Trust and confidence in the relationship is critical. You know, you should support oversight decisions, of course. You know, sometimes you are not the... uh, main person we're dealing with, but you need to have confidence and appreciation that we're trying desperately to get it right, uh, and dealing with our partiality in every situation. And if you have confidence in that, then there should be no murmuring. There should be no disputing. There should be no grumbling and grizzling. If you need clarification, talk to us. We're happy to clarify if it's necessary. Refer things to a pastor is vital, you know, and refer others to the pastor as well. It's not, you know, the old mentality of, oh, I can't dob on anyone is rubbish. You know, you care for your brother. You are your brother's keeper. And if you care for him and you believe the pastor needs to help him or her, then you tell the shepherd who can do something about it. You know, you don't try and do the pastor's job, you know, you should seek advice and counsel and direction and help from the pastor. I remember once I had this uh, great offer to go off overseas and, uh, oh, yes, and, uh, you know, I had all the stuff offered to me, money and housing and and moving. and Oh, it's all sounded of the Lord, you know. But I'd just been made a pastor in the Whaler Revival Fellowship and I knew that I had a responsibility to the church and that this was just a bit of a a thing that had come across my path, you know. But, it, you know, I entertained the thought for a while. I got the other pastor around and said, what do you think? And he said, no. Nope. <laughs> that was it. And he got up and went home. All my dreams were shattered in one word. Anyway, there you go. But sometimes that's the counsel advice you get. Hallelujah for that i believe he was caring for me you know um so if you think something is neglected or overlooked or something well speak up let us know um you know as i said uh, don't don't protect one another from the nasty pasty you know so, so we can get that attitude some, sometimes pasty that's the Pastor John term, the nasty pastor, you know. Oh, well, you know, the pastor, if he knows about this and he'll do something and tell me off or whatever. No, it's all about our welfare. It's all about our salvation. It's all about helping us. You're the crown of rejoicing, to stand before the Lord. That's what the church is all about, you know. um, I guess uh, a few other dot points that come to mind is don't push the limits. If you know where the boundaries are, stay well within them. The fence, the borders, uh, sorry, the borders, I didn't mean to dob you in. But, um, you know, just don't push the limits. You know, trust uh, in, and and have confidence that the, the wisdom and the counsel that has been placed in the guidelines of the church, the direction that we give people, things to stay away from and so on, trust them. Don't push the limits. Uh, I was going to read a story about, um no, 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 I won't do that. Philippians 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. So this is the Paul, The Apostle Paul. He wanted to know how his, the people, the church, were going. And we want to know too. When we ask about your attendance, where have you been or anything like that, it's not a personal, you know, checking up on you. It's a shepherd caring for sheep. It's as simple as that. Wanting you to make it with the Lord. It's a vital relationship. We have a great responsibility and we will meet it with God's help. But you need to play your part as well, obviously. So it's, you know... A shepherd wants to make sure that the people are in a good pasture that they're not straying off here, there and everywhere. I was going to read a story about a sheep which became known as Mrs. Gadabout. This Philip Keller writes about a wandering sheep pushing through the fences and teaching other sheep to to do the same and so on. Eventually he had to take a knife and butcher her because she was just a a menace to, to the other sheep. Anyway... On that note, I'll hand you back to Steve.